very difficult to be able to, you know, not live paycheck to paycheck um, just in general. And it's, you know, I was just thinking about the concept of, you know, people want what they can't have, you know, and that relates to so many different aspects. But, I mean, that also is what, what I'm thinking is part of, you know, the enslavement in a lot of ways, just as, you know, oh, well, I see the next person having this, or I see this on TV, and if I can't have it, I'm, I automatically want it. So, you know, we're attracted to things that aren't necessarily good for us, you my, know. And, I, since you talk about enslavement, it reminds me of my brother telling me his daughter had taken some money that he helped her earn, and then she had to buy herself a $1,000 cell phone. It couldn't be a $200 cell phone. It had to be a, the latest $1,000 one. And she's, you know, literally a digital slave. Uh, she's turned her life over right, to... And then you're paying that thing off. I mean, most of the time, yeah. you can only get certain, you know, prices if they, if you're willing to finance the phone and they want you to get hung up on those monthly payments, uh, you know, versus buying something that's practical and flat out and that's just something for, you know, use and not, you know, constant, you know, gratification in a lot of different ways, you know? I saw that in the schools, too, when I was substitute teaching a lot of parents... When they heard from the teachers that their kids had misbehaved, they took their cell phones away. And boy, I'll tell you, that was that was a cardinal sin. That was right. what motivated kids to do all kinds of crazy stuff. We used to let get grounded. You, Go ahead. Let me let me ask you something. As a as a substitute teacher and an instructor, does, does that sometimes when you have the the parents come back and almost even undermine what you're telling the student in the classroom and, and kind of enabling them? Like, you know, why did you take your cell phone? Do you get that sometimes? And how does that make you feel? Well, you know, it depends on the district policy. Um, I've seen uh, solid enforcement of that. And then uh, other times it's a real fear going into a classroom because you're holding an audience hostage and they figure their only way out is to try and get you fired by videotaping you or audio recording you without your permission which is against the law, but since these kids are under 18 and haven't reached the, the age of majority yet legally, uh, they just slap them on the wrist and, you know, say, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yet it's the teacher who could end up, you know, behind bars or losing a certificate for life or being sued. And a lot of these kids know that. They know it's a weapon, too. So a lot of these school districts have forbidden cell phones to even be out of backpacks, except in emergencies. Uh, at the schools. I know the standardized tests they give every year. Put your backpacks in the cupboard. It's right. it's become a situation that's uncomfortable for them and for the staff because, yeah, it can get crazy. But this whole idea of uh, wanting more and more and more and keeping up with the kid next door to you, yeah, these kids, they, uh, they even tell their parents, I'm not going to love you unless you get me a cell phone. And it's got to be a certain type of cell phone. And then they're... Yeah. Kids from poverty, you know, that's everything. Some kids dress up in nice clothes just to come to school, but they're homeless. They get the latest Adidas on or, you know, other clothes. But that that's a problem. Um, I've had kids who've had parents who, you know, are starving, and the kids get canned food every Friday uh, because the parents know that they're starving, so they donate food and they put it on a cart and they split it up for those kids who are from extreme poverty. So I've seen that, too. You know, a lot of them don't want to eat the school lunches. And and that's a sense of being spoiled right there, too, seeing all the food wasted that these kids throw out every day at school. But, you know... Right, because the government dollars also that go into, you know, really funding, you know, having 
lunches and uh, free lunches and reduced meal lunches for students and you know if they don't want to eat it just based on you know and I understand there are dietary limitations things of this nature but there's definitely a lot of different layers I think to that scenario that can really point at some some issues that we have just internally in in the way that we think about life and all the different choices we have and you know a lot of people are like I'd rather like you say you know at least appear like I'm doing well versus really deal with the situation where you know I'd have to say I'm destitute or my child is destitute and I'm not really providing and really go into why you're not providing or why you're not able to and sometimes that's really hard to do I guess for for many of us. Well in the old days turn of the century in the 1900s they had children's home societies which are basically uh, public orphanages where parents could come and adopt kids. And, you know, a lot of times those kids were brought to farms to work as slaves for free. Or, um, you know, they were they met good families other times. They were even put on Indian reservations, if you can believe that. <laughs> Learned the language, the culture, but never got any government benefits. It takes two household incomes to survive now. And I right. think that's by design. And it's pretty frightening, I think, for most people to be single and to have all the expenses of a house and a car and if something goes wrong you know gosh where do I get the thousand bucks to fix the water heater or radiator just went out on my car where do I get the money for that uh, so a lot right. of people have these like you said side hustle type jobs um, I know my cousin called me from Texas yesterday and she said she sells Mary Kay on the side I had no idea even though she has a full-time job working in an office selling oil field equipment. And, you know, they travel wow. six to eight hours between home and work sometimes. Texas is so large. Wow. And in 120-degree oh, yeah, heat. There, there you go. So basically, uh, you know, people are trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. Uh, use stuff looks good. Learning to fix stuff on your own is a good thing. And there's it has um, really made people search their souls. They started to look at, uh, why do I have this stuff? Why am I you know, working my fingers to the bone, trying to earn all this money. And, you know, I'm really not getting anything out of it. I'm barely, barely spinning the tires, but I'm not going down the runway here. And a lot of people thought about living in campers or living in their cars. And in some cities, it's okay. Other cities, it's illegal. Uh, because they just want to, even if they can live for six months to a year, they can save money. I saw an article this morning on the internet about a guy who saved $100,000 uh, by moving into a tiny house that he had built, and I think the house only cost him five grand to build, but in in a few years he saved over a hundred thousand dollars because he wasn't paying rent. And that's pretty that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, so yeah, that's awesome. lifestyle changes. And I think you bring up a, a big piece there because you know statistically they say that millennials, uh, you know, are not gravitating towards marriage. You know, like a lot of the you know, previous generations, and we all know that, you know, marriage is very much so a socioeconomic, you know, thing at this point, but, um, you know, even though they're not gravitating towards marriage as much, they're all, they're still, you know, shacking up because, you know, who the hell can really live on their own single uh, and, and be able to make rent all the time. So a lot of relationships are formed really for, the, you know, the convenience of having someone there to pay the other side of the rent or whatever the, the case may be. Um, and then you wonder if that wasn't the case, 
you know, how many relationships would really make sense if people were able to, you know, have a comfortable living or, or maybe they would be able to live single. They would probably be, uh, or they'd have other options, you know what I mean? And well, do you remember, too, but it's just, do you remember in the movie Forrest Gump where his mom is renting out rooms and she, she's got basically a boarding house? I mean, my dad used oh, to yeah. tell me that in the 50s that you could just rent a room and pay 50 bucks a week or whatever and, and you'd have three hots and a cot and a shower, and that's all you needed. And then you're off to right. school or off to work. Kind of like a mom a mom hotel, if you would. Anyway, right. Those are starting to spring back now. Uh, people are starting to live, you know, two to four people in a one-bedroom apartment and just rotate the beds. They never get cold because someone's out on an eight-hour shift somewhere. Just like in China, those cell hotels. Uh, it's gotten to a point where it's just too expensive not to have somebody in there as a roommate. You're right. I've actually even been approached by a gal one time that I was dating who literally said to me, I'm looking for someone to help me pay the rent. And I looked at her and I said, it's not I. So we right. parted ways. Right. But, uh, yeah, when I, once I knew what her real motivation was, I wasn't interested anymore. <laughs> yeah. I like you and for I your mean, money, not for who you are. Fortunately, she told you up front and, yep. and it allowed you to you know, kind of get out when you did where a lot of people kind of hide their, you know, true intentions. And, you know, that's but I mean, it's interesting to see even down in Portland with the uh, motivation from the city and the district for a lot more ADU units and things like uh, this. So that, you know, because there's just a, it is there's a huge demand for uh, people to live in the city, especially in Portland and Seattle, a lot of other metropolitan areas, uh, as you well know. And there, it's just the price of living is so expensive that, you know, purchasing a house in the city, I mean, forget Seattle, forget that, but, you know, in a lot of other uh, cities, it's just the only reality is that, you know, you, you're either going to downsize and live a more simplistic life, as you say, or, you know, you're going to be living out and making a four-hour commute to work every day or, what you know, whatever the case is, and, you know, everyone has their preference, but this is the reality we're living in. And then there are those folks who want to retire early rather than later because they may not be around to enjoy their retirement. Or their, kid, or their kids are leeching off them, you know, and waiting around for them to die so they can take all their stuff and fight over it and their money. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of sick. Anyway, um, yeah, these tiny houses have been a new popular thing, people building them on two- or four-wheel trailers and, uh, you know, finding a place to park them in someone's backyard and, person has room and hookups and they can make 50 to 100 bucks a week you know off, off of having someone who's a decent person who takes care of his or her own place uh, basically renting a space in the driveway and if it's a cute little house neighbors don't seem too upset as long as sewage isn't running down the street or garbage and rats and stuff like that and uh, it become a crack house or something on wheels <laughs> sure. Can can you ever see yourself living in on like a tiny home? Structure Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. Awesome. You know, I'm 55 now, and I've raised my daughter to adulthood. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Um, it's not like you can run home to mom and dad when they're in their 80s and say, "Is my treehouse still available?" You know, <laughs> can sure. I live under the stairs or in the closet in the hallway? I promise not to make any noise. If they can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know a lot of us are becoming caregivers to our parents now too and um man i'm seeing some stuff where people fight families fight you know and they they're already carving them up like a thanksgiving day turkey 
you and definitely that's said it. It's really sad to see too, because you know it's it's more about what I'm going to gain, and and then you have people who I'll take care of you, but you better put me in that will. I I got to get something out of this, you know. And and we've seen, I think we've all seen this to some degree, and you know. But um, I mean, it's I also see on the other end people who are sincere about going back and helping their families. Uh, and, you know, living closer to home is helpful. So if they can set up some sort of, you know, mobile uh, trailer or a small living space for themselves close by or even on the family property, not necessarily in the household sometimes because we all know it gets difficult when you get grown and, you know, family dynamics change, relationships, tensions, all kinds of microaggressions, things occur. Um, so, <laughs> microaggressions. You, know, you mean yeah. little little quips, little comments that are piercing they sound like compliments but they're not <laughs> i call these something about it. <laughs> i call the a little bit i i call these people that are all about stuff gimme pigs give me some more sure. give me your stuff i'm just going to move in i'm a squat here and then once that seven year mark passes and state of washington you're a common law husband or wife and these people don't get it who they're with they think everything's fine but there's been a plan put in place from the beginning and some of these people are so lonely and so uh, held whole, held hostage emotionally to uh, relationships that are defunct from the beginning. Uh, what do you call it? codependent? It's a, it's a failure from the start, and these poor people are so stupid they can't wake up. You know, like the, the old saying is the it's like the Venus flytrap. The head gets stuck in there, and the brain sucked out, and all you see is the legs kicking in the web. Help me, please, someone help me, like the fly. So funny, and it, yeah, it reminds me of a friend saying, uh, you know, he would always say, you know, my, all my relationships last six years, 364 days. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Like, must be a Washingtonian. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something. Or you look on these dating websites and they'll say, a husband for four hours. God. Oh, we're right. getting off topic. Anyway, um, Joyce, put yourself in a, a position of, say, a single mom uh, without a guy who's in the picture who's even working. I see a lot of these dating websites where women say, I want a guy with a job. It's the very first line. Second second line, a walk on the beach. And I just laugh because a lot of them are the same, you know, what they're right. wanting. So what's your opinion on that? You've got a guy, say, that moves in and is working, gets laid off. And then what? He just sits there and watches television and doesn't go out and get a job, let's say. Right. Then it's really going to be a conversation as to, you know, what's your plan here? Because, you know, this in this society, every household has to have, you know, two incomes. Um, and if I'm a single mom, I don't know that I would even have had someone move in with me without marriage or, you know what I mean, just because, especially if it's, if it's not the child's father and there's not that type of agreement, just because that gets difficult in itself, depending on how what, how old, you know, your child is and you don't want to, you know, be in that revolving door situation with men. But uh, the, the second part of that is there has to be a conversation in terms of expectation that had occurred before the person even came in so that everybody's on the same page in terms of what the finances uh, and what the expectations would be, I guess, you know, and I, that's why I'm saying clear communication is probably important in any sort of relationship so that no one, you know, has uh, misunderstandings about others' intentions or, you know, that, that can definitely cause tension more than anything else they say, 
that and they say sex and finances in terms of relationships are what kind of are deal breakers you know I heard, so, I've heard it's been finances and in-laws oh yeah let's add them to there yeah we'll add them in that <laughs> to the pile they yeah they they deserve their own bracket <laughs> there are a lot of these guys that are uh you know they're finishing college and then they move back home to their parents house and all they do is sit in the basement and play video games and I, I can speak you know, for this for being very true. It happened to one of my nephews. And finally the mom said to him, you know, you're either going to go join the service or you're going to go live with your dad. That's it. Well, he didn't like his dad, so he went and joined the Army. <laughs> Not to be offensive, but I've, and I've, I've had a conversation with a girlfriend today. And she said, you know what, Joyce? I've I come to find out that I attract a lot of homeless sexuals. <laughs> I'm like homeless sexuals, and she was just saying, just in a sense that everybody that I'm feeding, they either don't have, you know, a place to hang their hat, and they're looking for help, and, you know, they're just getting out of a tough situation, and she said, I'm, I'm going to be single for a while, because until I can put up a no homeless sexual sign on my door, I think, uh, you know, for now I'm good, and, you know, I can understand that mindset where it's, you know, if you are attracting people who are, uh, not financially able to be in a relationship then you, you also need to look at what what's attracting that type of you know person towards you and also i mean you know if there's a situation where you really love somebody and they get into a situation where it's difficult in their life and they're just going through you know a stint of unemployment that's understandable because we all have things that occur so i think every case is you know a case-by-case scenario and you have to look into you know the details of that situation but what do you what do you feel about that well my first thought listening to that story was enablers and rescuing behavior um, sometimes a lot of us come from broken families ourselves that were very dysfunctional a lot of alcohol abuse uh, even like you said sexual abuse different things that break people uh, that they never get help for and they don't know how to have a boundary and let's look at the front door I mean that's a boundary you can shut the front door and you can call the cops to keep people out of your unit if that's what you want to do, ideally. And there are shelters available and, you know, if someone has to go out and live in the garage, maybe that's been done too. Um, but enabling behavior, you know, a lot of these people that rescue people, they're really trying to rescue themselves because they went through something bad. Um, but that's no way to start a household, that's for sure. Even the, the word household... Is, comes from German, which is Haushalt, which means holding on to a house. So, and the old joke of, you know, I have an ex-wife, she's a housekeeper, she kept the house. <laughs> it comes to oh, mind God. as well. But yeah, with all the junk in it, too. And it isn't his. Maybe he's got a few tools in the garage and that's it. The rest is hers. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, go to an estate sale sometime, you'll see that. Usually the guy's died first, and she's not only held on to all her stuff, she's held on to his, too, and never gotten rid of it. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the sad thing, too, with parents getting older is you have to sit down and make a list with them, and the list has to be a, a, what they call a direction list, where they say, okay, Joyce gets the carpets in the living room because they're worth $15 million apiece. Joe gets uh, all my tools, or, you know, stuff like that. Instead of a division of labor, it's a division of goods. Uh, I've always told my folks, I don't want this stuff. I'm just going to call a dumpster or ask for a book of matches to take care of business. <laughs> I don't oh, want, yeah. I don't want to be the cleaner. I hear you. Anyway, at 55 for myself, you know, 
you have to be wary of starting over again because it's not not an easy task. Um, your health starts to fail. Uh, you discover that people don't want to hire you because you're either too expensive or too old. And let's look at it. What drives America? Looks. You know, even Tom Likas on his show was joking about women who are nines and tens never have to work. They just bat their eyelashes and guys take care of them. And then the, he said the fat and fugly ones end up having to go get careers in um, aerospace or engineering or something to keep themselves afloat and the bills paid and they can stay home and stuff their faces with bonbons. That was what he said. Yeah. And I sit there and I think, hmm, have I seen this before? Well, go to a faculty room sometime and just sit down and observe what's going on and the amount of food brought every Friday to potlucks and whether it's healthy or not. As they say, right. people grazing. Give me male too, not just female. Anyway, we got off topic again. That's what happens when you talk about making a simple lifestyle, huh? So throw the guy out the front door. That makes life easier. Uh, even though there might not be a paycheck there, but if he's a bum living on your couch, there will be no paycheck, I guarantee. Then there's uh, ex-husbands who don't pay child support. So you're forever in court and asking for time off to go back to court so you can get the child support, maybe, if he's not already incarcerated for not paying. Uh, let's see what else. I guess just not collecting so much stuff and saying no to every toy that every kid wants when you push him through the Safeway on a cart. Mom, I want this. I want that. Well, I want's going to cost, cost, cost. Right. Even when I was contracting, I told customers that. Yeah, I want's going to cost, cost, cost. That's true. The wish list gets there, and, you know, that definitely delves right into your pockets. And, you know, people definitely got to put need and necessity over desire and want, because once those shiny toys aren't so shiny anymore, now they just get thrown out anyway, and nobody looks at it anymore. And so, you know, it's that it's not the latest. gratification. Yeah. Yeah. My mom years so, ago said to me, Joyce, Eventually, it's going to be the haves versus the have-nots. Right. And I believe that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. I really do. I and, do, too, and, and I definitely agree. And if parents haven't been disciplined enough to hold on to what they have and have something to give away at the end of the kids, you know, they're not going to have anything either. And it almost seems like there are some parents that are spenders too and they'll just say well we're just going to spend our inheritance our kids can go do what we did and work for it and um, you know keep it and make their lives simple and not have to clean up ours when we're gone and then you have the others who are you know um, again about lifestyles they they're either savers or they're not um, and it's all about choices you know did you invest didn't you in your 20s uh, did you lose it all in the dot-com crash or at the bank? And there's so many different factors that can take somebody who's on a road to success and just wipe them right out, as right. you said, unforeseen circumstances. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, I think at the end of the day, it just goes down to, you know, what you want in life, you know, and I think the older you get, the more you're able to kind of, look over some of the decisions you've made in your earlier days, uh, the 20s and the 30s, and even really looking to see what, how those impacted your, you know, your financial situation and where you've come, and um, if you're smart, you'll, you'll make the proper decisions to kind of 
gear your life towards, you know, what makes sense for you. And if, uh, what makes sense for you is simplifying and downgrading so you can improve maybe your standard of living, have a little more hours and time for yourself to do things that you want to do versus have to do, you know, or else you'll be out on, on the street, <clears throat> then it, that's what it means. And um, that's kind of where I'm at, too. And I know that the older we get, we do start making, you know, decisions that make a lot more sense for us financially because when you look at retirement and uh, those who are able to retire at an earlier age versus having to work until they croak, uh, that doesn't <laughs> seem appealing, you know what I mean? And yep. you see what what kind of stress that has on the family household and it does put guilt and, uh, you know, feelings of repression on the on children because they're like, wow, you know, I have to be there for my parents and it's, they're in a really bad situation and they won't retire. So it does cause a lot of different turmoil um, in that sense. So, you know, it's good to kind of plan accordingly while you can and really start to put steps in place to be able to enjoy your life while you can because we're not going to be here forever. And really, we, we're never promised even tomorrow. So That's a good you know. point, Joyce. You know, when, my, when I was growing up, I had three paper routes I worked after school. My parents wow. made me earn my tuition for my first year at Blanchett High School in Seattle. And I hated them for it, but, you know, I understood it later when I got to college and saw how expensive things were. Um, you know, and I did the student loan borrowing thing and everything and eventually paid that off. But I'd say the other key to success other than having to learn to work at an early age and not have it all handed to me and be spoiled rotten, I didn't even get an allowance, if you can believe that, was my parents stayed married. Uh, right. That is a huge factor in whether or not kids will succeed or not. I know there have been a lot right. of sociological studies about that, but, you know, when they're, when kids can look to their parents and, and realize that when times are tough, you don't always have to give up right away. Maybe you can give someone a second chance or start over or try again, or as the kids say at school, give me a do-over. <laughs> sure. Putting away pride, saying you're sorry, forgiving people. I mean, that's huge. And a lot of that has to do with going to church, church of some sort, to learn those things and to practice them. Uh, I don't see many kids going to church anymore either. Uh, no. Or when people stay married. So as we form a godless type society, things are just literally falling apart. That's how I see it. Right. And I don't and think... You can see that. You can see that in just the way that, you know, the up- upcoming generation is, the way that they even, you know, speak to elders. I mean, you know, they, people are like, oh, well, that's a, such an outdated concept, you know. But at the end of the day, structure... Uh, a lot of times helps society to, you know, move move along in, in a peaceful direction versus, you know, just having no type of structure where people can do whatever the hell they want and there's no any sort of, you know, circumstance or consequence for your actions, you know? Good points. And I know from having spoken to you in the past, you had a grandfather who owned a tow truck business in Portland and he took you with him when he worked on his rentals and you learned how to do repairs with him and you know he's, that's a great mentor not all these kids have grandparents anymore either i know i learned all my building skills from my italian grandfather and man i'm so thankful even to today you know i can build a box and get inside and be perfectly warm and safe not everybody can say that okay well thank you for calling in today uh, it's been fun speaking with you about these things uh, if you know of others who might want to join into the show and uh, call in please have them give me a call uh, again, our number is 425-247-8827. If 
If you want to reach us by email, it's T-R-A-S-H-N-E-R at hotmail.com. And leave us a comment or a way to get a hold of you, and we'll bring you on our next show. Thank you, Joyce, awesome. for calling. Thank you for having me. All right. Good day. What radio show is this? The Sean Tester Show. Of course.